Welcome to a Prevent Connect podcast, where we explore the prevention of violence against women. This is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hello, this is Ashley Meyer with Prevent Connect, and I'm really thrilled today to be talking to a number of individuals from Oregon around a conversations project that really focuses on making a connection between offender management and prevention. And today I have with me Nancy Greenman, who's the Prevention Program Coordinator at the Oregon Attorney General's Sexual Assault Task Force in Kaiser, Oregon. Hi, Nancy. How are you doing? Really well. Hi, Ashley. I also have Elena Balduzzi, a clinical psychologist in Portland, Oregon, and also the co-chair of the Offender Management Committee of the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force. Hi, Elena. How are you? Hi, Ashley. I'm well. I also have Gary Russell, captain with the Department of Corrections in Wilsonville, Oregon, and the other co-chair of the Offender Management Committee. Hi, Gary. Hi, Ashley. And Megan Kovacs, the Education Coordinator at Raphael House of Portland and the Prevention and Education Committee Co-Chair. Hi, Megan. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having us. And last but not least, I have Warren Light, Director of the Wesley Center at the University of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon, and also the Safe Sanctuaries Coordinator for the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference and the Prevention and Education Co-Chair at the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force. Hi, Warren. How are you? Good. Thank you. So, Nancy, I'm really excited to talk about this conversation project, and full disclosure here, I was the prevention program coordinator previous to you taking the position, and so I have also been involved in this project, and it's so great to see it continuing. So, Nancy, can you start just by setting some context and telling us a little bit more about the task force and the committees? Sure, I'd love to, Ashley. When I think of the Attorney General Sexual Assault Task Force, which is actually a nonprofit, but was begun by our visionary former Attorney General 15 years ago, I think about the Violence Against Women Act and the vision of multidisciplinary collaboration that that brought and the tensions, the healthy tensions that come with it. So over our 15-year history, we have worked through a membership. We have a small staff, and then we have an advisory committee, which is made up of eight subcommittees. And that comprises 100-plus members. And if I tell you the subcommittee names, you will get the sort of breadth of the way we work. They would include victims' response, criminal justice, campus, legislative and public policy, medical forensic, men's engagement, as well as the two subcommittees who are participating today. And then the co-chairs of all those subcommittees constitute a steering committee. And so if people want to go on to our website at OregonSATF.org, you can look at the rosters of all of the subcommittees and just get a sense of the expertise that comes together. We have quarterly meetings for 
all of the subcommittees, and then many of the subcommittees also meet in between those by telephone, sometimes in person. So over 15 years, we've probably logged just thousands and thousands of hours of volunteer time given by hundreds and hundreds of experts representing every discipline really I think that we can think of that needs to come to the table to really have the conversation about how can we meet the needs of survivors and victims and prevent sexual violence. So let me turn to the committee co-chairs to talk more about what this project as a process has been. So let's start with Elena. You've been involved in the Offender Management Committee for a long time. Can you tell me more about what this project has been? Sure. Ashley, you may remember from the days when you were on the task force that there were some possibly, how would I say, tensions that were brewing or perhaps maybe some perceptions that the Offender Management Subcommittee had an unwelcome seat at the table or perhaps that our being part of an effort to prevent sexual violence was questioned or somehow that we've formed an unhappy marriage. And in part, that may have been due to some misperceptions about the role that professionals in offender management play in the community. So part of what I think started this all off was trying to clarify that our participation and our desire to be part of the Sexual Assault Task Force was part and parcel because we shared the same mission, that we were prevention experts as well, only we focused our prevention efforts on working directly with the individuals responsible for perpetrating sexual violence. So I think that we started out having to kind of justify our existence, and I think that's been part of the origin of the Conversations Project, that it's difficult sometimes to talk about our differing perspectives, but that an important objective of this conversation was to recognize and underscore the similarities that we have, and that is that we are all individuals personally and professionally committed to the prevention of sexual violence. So that was, I think, that one of the first and primary reasons that gave birth to this project. Thank you so much for that, Elena. So, Gary, as the co-chair for the Offender Management Committee, can you tell me more about the process and what's been happening at the task force and with these two committees? Yes, really, you know, with all the diversity that these committees bring in, a lot of times we lose sight on our actual goals are and we get lost in the words that people use. And so sometimes our professional words that we may use with offenders, you know, may be actually not understood by another committee. And so really part of this work was for us to get together and actually see some of those challenges and understand some of the terminologies that we use and actually realize that there's a lot more similarities between the committees than there are differences, even though some of those words make us feel uncomfortable in the way they're used. You know, David Lee here at Prevent Connect has been part of ATSA, the Association for the Treatment of Sexual Abusers Prevention Committee, and we really see that there's a connection here and there's really importance in focusing on prevention and bringing those two worlds of offender management and prevention together. And so, Megan, I'm wondering, from the perspective of a person who's really focused on prevention and primary prevention, what have you seen as the benefits of doing this process and getting these committees together and having these conversations? 
I think that there has been a lot of value, especially for me personally, in having these conversations because I am one of those people that came from the perspective that it was really hard to start this conversation. You know, we, I think, sometimes get siloed in our work and siloed in, you know, response to victims, ending victim blaming, you know, framing language in a way that's most supportive of not only survivors, but supportive of prevention in the community. And I think one of the things that has been most valuable from this conversation is, you know, reaffirming and understanding that we are all coming from the perspective that sexual violence is preventable and we all want to prevent it. A part of looking at prevention and a part of really focusing our efforts is understanding the, you know, the place that of offenders come from. You know, we're never going to make any ground in actually preventing sexual violence unless we know why sexual violence happens. Right. I think that I learned through the process that offender management has a lot to give um, and can really, really help inform our prevention work. So, Warren, coming from that perspective, how have you seen this process helping in the prevention work of the task force and your your own work as well? Well, I think that if we want to take a look at the process that actually led to this conversation, and I know that there's a long history that occurred before, but in the PEC, the Prevention Education Committee, we were looking at ways of drawing in the voices of persons from various disciplines on the task force. I've also shared as a survivor and as a practitioner who's worked primarily as an advocate for survivors uh, some of my own concerns a few years ago before I had the opportunity to see Elena's work and to work with Gary and I had come a long way uh, in terms of understanding how important it is that we're all working together and we all have this profound respect. There was profound personal respect that I had for both Gary and Elena, and, and I felt like I learned a lot from them in their presentations at the task force. So we had this conversation in the PEC about drawing in folks for a, a more extensive conversation around creating a roadmap, which Rachel Smith, I believe, put together an amazing visual for this conversation as well. Now, in terms of how that happened, and in the turning points, I think, we were in the midst of a conversation and we, we really like each other. We really like the work and respect the work. We see accountability and treatment of working together. This is not something that some advocates anticipate or respect or, or understand. But in that conversation, at a certain point, and I believe it was Megan shared, you know, some of the tensions and coming to a place where we actually admitted and, you know, sort of came out around their tensions, around their concerns, that was the beginning of an incredibly fruitful conversation where there was no offense taken and no disrespect, but an honest respect for how our different focuses have brought us to different places sometimes. And I thought that was the beginning of something really creative. This is Megan. One of the things that I think was incredibly valuable coming from this conversation, just to jump off some of the things that Warren was saying, is that, you know, we all work from the understanding when we're talking about sexual violence prevention that oppression is one of the root causes of sexual violence. And I think that it's really hard for us sometimes as people who work primarily with survivors to think about also the oppression that offenders Face and like how that plays into the reason that sexual violence happens and having some empathy for that while still holding people accountable, it's not necessarily as black and white as sometimes we want to make it. 
I really appreciate that, Megan and Warren, because I think that really tells you how far we've come. We really struggled, I think, as a group to acknowledge these difficult sort of complex emotions. It's easier to parse them out into black and white, as as Megan said, but but these things are so much more complicated. And Mm -hmm. if we can acknowledge that it is complicated, and while it would be nice to have things be reduced to simple good versus evil, offenders have complex stories. None of it justifies their behavior, and accountability is first and foremost our priority as well. But we also want to help them Mm -hmm. to become successful in the future, and that much of the work that OMC has done has been to try and support the kinds of legislation and public policies that are research-based and that help to sort of de-stigmatize offenders who are trying post-incarceration or post-punishment to make their way back into society. And that if we can deliver the message that policies that hold offenders accountable for their actions while also supporting their re-entry into society benefits everyone and clearly reduces the risk to re-offend. And that's a form of prevention that we're quite committed to. And for me, Nancy, there are two parts of this conversation that have expanded my thinking, although sometimes it hurts my head to put it all inside at the same time, is one of Gary's roles in the state has been to be the PREA coordinator. So that is the place at which offenders and victims start to sometimes be the same people or very close to each other or definitely on the offender management side. And the other is, in our work as preventionists, we look and want to know about risk and protective factors. So being able to be with the people who give us that information opens doors for us as well. I was just going to say that at this point in the process, it's clear to all of us, I believe, TEC, that we don't want to have any conversations except for what we're dealing with in our own committee, but we don't want to have any broad conversations without having Elena and Gary and and the Offender Management Committee involved because we have learned so much and we work so well on this prevention effort. You know, been a real benefit of these conversations is that the two committees now are much closer and do really rely upon each other for collaboration and moving things forward more as one now than we did individually before. And I think it's, you know, it's not only the Offender Management Committee and the Prevention and Education Subcommittee. We've met with other committees as well, and I think that this conversation has really jump-started conversations about how prevention is a part of all of the work that the task force does. And, you know, I think that that has been, you know, a common theme since you were working at the task force, Ashley. But I think in having these conversations, we can have a little bit more back and forth about how to integrate, you know, a prevention lens into all of the multidisciplinary disciplinary work that the task force does. And, you know, prevention is about social norms change, and that's the responsibility of all of us. That's the, you know, we all have the opportunity to integrate this into our work. And I think that that has, you know, really been a valuable part of this conversation is it has, you know, jump-started a lot of other conversations as well. This is so great to hear. I think it's really important. When we're talking about making culture and social change, like Megan, you're talking about, we need to have everybody on board. And we talk a lot about comprehensive prevention. Well, it's not going to be comprehensive if we're leaving key stakeholders and practitioners out of the picture. 
I was going to come back to that tension and collaboration that I think that one thing that we've learned to value is having a structure in which we operate that endures. And I think so often collaborative ventures that bring people together are grant-funded in a way that depends on some limited time funding. And what we've seen is, and we credit the work you did, Ashley, when you were at the task force. We've been able to see over a period of years what having a space that we try to make safe for each other and having that space endure can do for giving life to this work. Well, thank you, Nancy. I am really excited about this project. And just to wrap up, I wanted to talk about the prevention roadmap that you have created. Can you tell us more about the roadmap and then just what's in store for the future of this project? I'll talk about the roadmap for a moment. Rachel Smith who is a graduate student in community psychology and working with us as an intern this year, created the roadmap. When we were having the conversation, we said, you know, it would be great to have a picture of this. Who's a visual person among us? And it turned out that's something we all have in common, none of us. So Rachel stepped in, listened to what all of our conversation had been, created the roadmap, brought it to us, we critiqued it in what maybe it showed, what it didn't show, she revised it, and there we have it, and I'll let others talk about what it means and where we're going. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that is really critical in doing any kind of prevention work and any kind of social norms change is getting everyone on the same page about what prevention is and what it looks like and where we're at as a community. You know, that's one of the things that we have to assess when we're looking at, you know, building a prevention program or addressing a community in terms of prevention is, you know, is our community ready for this and where are we? You know, in we looked at this, and Rachel created this amazing visual of a, an actual roadmap, a, like, interactive map of, you know, where we are, you know, what's happening in terms of, you know, sexual assault is an epidemic. This is happening all around us. We are all impacted by the reasons that this happens, by the norms that allow for this to happen. And how do we get from where we are in terms of, you know, sexual assault is happening to preventing it. I think that that can be a really difficult thing for all of us to grasp is that this is something that is preventable. So it was really nice to have a visual display of where we are and where we need to go. You know, and we are all a part of the effort to drive this car closer and closer to prevention or this thought says it maybe. Or ride this bicycle, as some of us said. And the question of where are we at this moment may also be different. I think that the idea of the roadmap is it's to generate conversations. We may have different thoughts about where we are and how we will get to where we want to be. And so that's part of, I think, why we thought having a visual would be so powerful. The other thing is Megan had mentioned earlier about how there are other committees that have weighed in, and the Victim Response Subcommittee was very instrumental in, in moving this conversation forward as well, and it did some great work on that too. So it's not just two subcommittees putting together a roadmap or even one individual, but there are a lot of voices that worked with this and used it as a springboard for fruitful conversations. 
I'd also like to add that the process itself has created kind of a template for this kind of cross-fertilization and that it gets us out of our silos and I think has made it easier for subcommittees to approach other subcommittees with the notion of being able to collaborate and share ideas about future endeavors. Great. Well, I will be posting that roadmap in a PDF version along with this podcast. So I would love to continue this conversation. It's been really great. So I really look forward to seeing where the conversation project goes. I want to thank you all for sharing with me this really concrete example of that collaboration that we always look to foster when we're doing our prevention work. So I've been talking with Nancy Greenman, Elena Balduzzi, Gary Russell, Megan Comax, and Warren Light. Thank you all. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for listening to this Prevent Connect podcast. Prevent Connect is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The views presented on Prevent Connect are not necessarily the views of the United States government, the CDC, or CalCASA. To learn more about Prevent Connect, visit www.preventconnect.org. For more information about CalCASA's mission or to show your support, visit calcasa.org. That's C-A-L-C-A-S-A dot O-R-G.